Welcome, I'm Isha Das, and welcome to another podcast in the series of Wrestling with God. We are privileged to have with us today Andrea Tate. She is, uh, in addition to being a wonderful human being, she's a physical therapist and a wellness coach at a local school district. She's also uh, does consulting for holistic health. She consults with parents of teenagers and parents with young adults, and she is a wonderful mother of a wonderful teenager herself. And probably my best understanding, if I could summarize it in a nutshell, Andrea has a passion for conscious parenting. So having said all that, why don't you do a little introduction to yourself? What did I leave out, Andrea? Uh, you didn't leave anything out. Um, I think that you said it perfectly better than I can usually say it. When somebody asks me what I do, I said, I don't know. I just do a little bit of everything. But I think my main message is out there is really treating your children as these cherished individuals that, you know, we create, we have this miracle that we birthed and to now take that child and stay as conscious with them as possible and really co-parent with God as you're raising them. I always say that raising a teenager starts at two. It really starts before that. You know, it starts with you as a parent. How can you be as mindful and as present as possible and then raise them in a way that shows them they're special no matter what? And you cherish them. You adore them. You're in awe of them every day while you're nurturing them, helping them grow and using proper discipline. And the thing that I've learned along the line, and I'm going to give you some, you know, accolades here and praise because I've become a better human being and a better parent since knowing you. And it makes me want to cry because honestly, you taught me who Yogananda was. And in in reading all of those things, his books and his lessons, it's, you know, she was about eight years old when I started. And I that really helped me get into those tween years of understanding the right way to live. And I don't say that as, you know, there's a left and a right. I mean it as the most highest way to live, the best way internally with the God's grace to live and to grow your children and raise them. And with that, I, you know, it gives you that discernment of what is, what is correct and what is right to do in raising your child. But also, you know, I am the holistic health coach and I like to look at life in a holistic way and using God in everything that I do. And in, in learning Kriya Yoga and trying to be as grounded and centered as possible, channeling God out into the world has helped me to be those things. I couldn't have done those those types of things without God and and having that ability to translate him into everything that I do. And that is your life is holistic. Your life encompasses everything. Your parenting encompasses everything. But it starts from the inside out. And that's that is what's helped me. And that's what that's the message I want to give to parents is that we don't just you know birth a child. And now they're just extensions of us or reflections of us. And we have to raise them the way the world wants us to. We raise them the way God wants us to. And that's the best way to do it from the centered and grounded place. Because they're going to grow up as adults. And you want to be able to say, I've really raised this amazing human being that's now giving back to the world. That you're giving the world a gift by having this child out there. And you're in awe of them. And you cherish them. And it's another wonderful human being in your home. And I want to show parents that you might not know that until today. You might not have ever heard that until right now. And you might not necessarily agree, but there's always another day that you can start and do things differently to change your relationship with your children, to change the dynamics in your home 
So it's peaceful, it's calm, it's loving, and there's not strife and there's not conflict. And to choose your battles wisely and not everything is a thing. And to take a step back and just say, this is a miracle that I have these children in my home right now. It's a miracle that we are a family, that everyone's alive, that everyone is healthy. And to just have a different mindset and perspective about that versus getting really caught up in what the world wants us to do, the busyness, the social media piece of it, and to stay as conscious as possible. That was a lot of words, but that's my passion. I love, I love your passion. And I, I think you you summed up everything and what you just said, and I mean that in the best way. Let's see if we can break it down for parents. So let's just say that there is a, a relatively new parent out there who has never heard of the term conscious parenting. Mm -hmm. And they said to you, Andrea, how do I start? Where do I start? How do I begin to be a very conscious parent? It's a great question. It starts with you. It starts with us. Anything that we want to do, we have to start to feel on the inside of us. Because because before before you become that, we're just all of these reactions, these responses. And we're not actually listening. We're not active listening. We're not seeing the other person's perspective. So it starts with us and clearing out the things that we have inside of here and getting close to, to God, spirit, source, universe, whatever you want to call that, and say, what are the wounds that I have here? What am I projecting outward? to my child. What is it that uh, how I was parented? Am I going to parent it that same way even though I don't I don't necessarily like that? And doing it in a different way and saying, here's my child in front of me and I'm just going to be in the moment, being present. There so I'll give you an example of I have a, you know, say a toddler, that's those are the really tricky years. So from 0 to 2 might be a little bit easier because they're not acting and reacting. Now toddlers are they're no. They're run away. They don't want to. If you have a toddler in front of you and they're having these behaviors or whatever they're doing, it's not a personal reflection on you. It's just them developmentally and you taking a step back and not being reactive, taking a pause, that's being mindful, that's conscious and saying they're doing that because A, they could be hungry, tired, they're learning a new skill, they have a sensory dysregulation thing going on. It's not about me as a parent. I don't need to get worked up about this. I need to meet them where they're at. And then you translate that into every single phase of their life growing up. It's not about us. It's about them. That's incredible. Let me let me just break that down some more. Because, uh, again, I think what you said was very insightful. We complicate things so much, and we complicate spirituality. And one of, and this is what Paramahansa Yogananda taught, and it's also what Jesus taught, that spirituality at a, at a very simple level, it's about being conscious. It's about being awake. It's mm -hmm. about being aware because there's really only two roads for us or two, two ways of interacting in the world. Either we are reacting, like you said. Yes. Right. And those reactions come automatically. They become, they come compulsively, habitually, Mm -hmm. and, and most of the time, they do, they do not serve our highest good or anyone or anyone else's highest good. Right. When the more spiritual we become, the more awake we are, the more conscious. And so then we yeah. get to choose how we respond. And in the context of what we're talking about today, how we choose to respond to our children. And I have 
two biological sons, 43 and 38. I have three wonderful stepchildren and I'm still a father. And I still, what you're saying, I still have to practice conscious parenting, even with my adult children. So maybe the next question would be a parent might ask you is, okay, how do I personally, it's got to be getting you what you said, it begins with me. How do I personally begin to become more conscious so that I can engage in this process of conscious parenting? Simple meditation and not just, you know, sitting there and struggling with thoughts and, and then thinking the thoughts that you want to think, you know, that's going to come. Right. And you always talk about let the come, let the thought come and then like release it. But it's, it's almost, what are my thoughts right now? And what is it about my child? Am I getting triggered with my child and just sit for a minute and say, is this really about me or is it about them? Are they doing this purposely to me? Am I just here to witness this? What is going on? Do I need to react to this right now? And if I'm going to think it through, I always like to think I might have to remove myself from the situation, whatever it might be, and say, if I react this way, what's going to happen? Versus if I say, how can I help you? It looks like you're really struggling right now. It's that kind of reflective, responsive language. But that also comes from me co-parenting with God first. Help me, what do I say? How do you want me to do this? Because I can do this all day by myself and struggle and wrestle with this parenting. It's called wrestling with parenting. Or I can do it a lot easier, you know? And so that's what I had to learn was when I consult first and I get quiet and think it through, creative responses start to come. Something different starts to enter the room. Grace, silence, peace. And it it sets me back for a second. And I know the difference between when I'm not doing that, when I'm doing that. It's a feeling I have in my chest. I feel tense and I feel angry versus loving and holding their space. And so how you do that personally is taking a time out for yourself. If you're starting to feel that emotional flooding, which all parents do, and you just have to take a break and say, this is becoming too much. What should I do instead right now? Because my reactive response, my ego self, my lower reptilian brain, whatever you want to call that, wants to get here wants to be authoritative about it, but I know that's going to take me nowhere, but more conflict. So getting quiet. So let me, again, I want to refer to something Paramahansa Yogananda said, and it ties in perfectly with what you're saying. And this is what I would say to parents who want to know about, you know, conscious parenting begins with your own consciousness. But Yogananda said in that context, what you experience in meditation take with you into action, into activity. Yeah. So uh, I tell parents, you even when they say they're very busy, you can't afford to not do some kind of contemplative prayer meditation yes. as the foundation of your life because yeah. that will uh, that will improve how you function in all the other all the other areas. I'll tell you a little story. Yeah. I'm going back 30 years ago. I gave a talk at a conference for single and divorced Catholics. It was a long time ago. It was, like I said, 30 years ago. And I talked about a little bit of what you're talking about in terms of meditation and, you know, beginning your day with that. And a, a woman raised her hand and said, well, it's easy for you to say that. I've got four or five kids, a lot of kids. I don't remember how many, but lots of kids I work. I don't have any time to meditate. 
And part of me was like, oh yeah, maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm putting too much of a burden on them. And this other woman raised her hand and said, well, I'm a single parent and I have six kids. And what I do when I need that silence and that stillness, I tell my kids I'm going in my car for 15 or 20 minutes and I pray and I meditate in my car and then I go back into my family life and it makes me a better mother. So beginning with that, yep. that, that conscious contact with God and then bringing that consciousness into uh, everyday life. There's another thing you said that I think is so important and it applies not only to our parenting, but to everything. And again, I think this is the fruit of meditation and communion with God is to really take nothing personally. Can you say mm-hmm. a little bit more about that and how you do that or what the challenges are with that? There's a lot of challenges with, with that. You know, we're a, we're a society of being overly offended. And I, you know, I see it at school. I see it in personal relationships. Everyone is offended and we have to write an offense. Not everything is meant to be offensive. We just say some things and we're not even coming at it from a non-mindful place. You know, and it, and I know that you you have spoken about that before, but it's sometimes things just are said, and if if we're being offended by everything, I think it's something in us that we need to work on. And I've I've experienced that personally, and it's a trigger in me that I have to a wound I have to heal or whatever it might be. But you know, your child in front of you isn't thinking malicious thoughts. Your sixteen year old isn't doing something purposely to you to make you upset. And when I hear parents say, you know, why did you do this to me? Don't you understand all the things I've done for you? Well, in their mind, they're thinking, well, aren't you supposed to do those things? You're my parent. Like, why are you talking like that? No 16-year-old I know is a, a gaslighter, a narcissist, a um, manipulator. They are just autonomous at that age. And that's that's development, right? Their frontal lobes are not even fully developed. Yeah, they're and they're thinking, just and they're just driven by their hormones. And they're impulsive and they're missing their FOMO, fear of missing out and wanting to be with friends. It's, well, how are you choosing your friends over me? Well, why wouldn't I? I'm 16 years old. I want to be with my friends. I don't want to hang out with my mom. It's nothing personal. It's normal development. And so if we start to understand that piece of it, and I and I think too, going that kind of this going back of being offended pieces, those were a lot of people. And I know I was, I was. I'm a divorced mom as well. I got divorced when she was four, but I was looking to have, you know, having her as filling holes and gaps in my life. And there is a, you know, for a woman, there's a, a child space hole that we all kind of want as, as women. We want children, but the hole is filled with spirit, right? It's whole, the hole is filled with God. And once you realize that from an, in, from a really true deep place, and everybody has a different experience of that, then things become a lot easier. And, and back to your point of how do you not have time to meditate? Medi- that, that Taking that time to be peaceful, silent, contemplative, grounded makes everything easier. It takes out the stuff you don't need. And that translates to my whole, you know, holistic health and wellness coaching. I always tell people when they say, I'm stressed, I can't lose weight, my relationships, what, are, what else should I do first? Get still, get quiet. You need to have a sense of grounding in your life before anything. Otherwise, you're just doing all of these other things and you still haven't fixed the root cause, which is in here. Yeah, so just two two thoughts quickly I want to just pick up on just to reinforce this, this whole thing of taking nothing personally. Uh, I'm sorry, what, I went on a tangent. No, it was perfect. 
<laughs> no, it wasn't a tangent. It was perfect. Roy Eugene Davis, Yogananda's direct disciple. He's left the body now. He was the one that ordained me. I asked him how I could be less reactive with people in my life. And he said, take nothing personally. Even yeah. when people, even when people are doing things mean to us, it says more about them than it does us. Now, yes. taking nothing personally doesn't mean you're passive. It doesn't mean that you let no. people walk all over you. But when no. you don't take it personally, then the ego isn't engaged and you have some level of stillness and awareness, a higher consciousness, then you know how to respond with wisdom yes. and with love. The the yes. other thing I'll point out, my first meditation teacher, again, I'm going back now when I was 30, uh, I remember calling him up and I was having a bad day. I was in crisis about something. And and he said, can't imagine well, you he, having a bad day. He said, oh, trust me. He said, uh, did you meditate? And I said, no, but I need to talk to you. He said, well, did you meditate? And I said, no, but I need to talk to you. He said, meditate. And if you need to talk to me after you meditate, then call me. Then he hung up, didn't even say goodbye. So I, I meditated. I called him up and I said, I did meditate. I don't need to talk to you. Then I hung up on him. But he was, he was teaching me a lesson that first meditate. And you may need to process things with people, but that meditation sets the, the foundation for, yes. um, for their wise, non-reactive, non-compulsive, conscious living, particularly in relationship to, to parenthood. Yes. Let me let me just kind of uh, I'm not switching gears. It's it's in a it's in the same context. And I had a conversation with my my wife this morning about this before our podcast. And I want to connect this with Christmas. Those of you listening to this, this is just a few days after after Christmas. We're recording this. And I had this realization that um Part of the gift of Christmas is God came in the form of this little, helpless, innocent baby. Mm -hmm. and, if, and if you notice around the Christmas season, <clears throat> people are a little bit more innocent. They're, they greet you a little bit differently. There's a softness. It's almost like we return or we catch a glimpse of what I call our original innocence. So yes. let me connect to kids. I think one of the best things we can do for our kids, and it's so tough in this society, and I'm not talking about nurturing their dependency on us or naiveness, but to allow them to be innocent children for as long as they can possibly be innocent children. Do you, I don't know if you have any thoughts about that. Absolutely. I This right here, we started making these when she was three. We just made another one. She's almost 20, right? It's this time of year that all these things kind of come up. We're so busy. She's in college now and come, she comes home and it's this, you know, I try to make a snow globe effect in the house for her because I'm still in that joyous state and I'm reliving my childhood during this time of year. Absolutely. But that letting her have these little breakdowns when she needs to, she wants me to read her Christmas books, whatever it might be, because she still wants to be a child. Because that's innocent. Somebody's nurturing and taking care of you. You're not adulting fully yet. And she says to me, well, all my other friends are doing this. Someone's moved to North Carolina away from their parents already. Do I feel like I should or I shouldn't? I said, you're right where you need to be. I'm not pressing you to do that because you're going to be an adult away from me for more years than you are with me. So I cherish this time 
And if you can do whatever you need to do safely within my home or with my guidance and my arms around you virtually or in person, then that's what I want for you. Because that's how you're not going to have that separation anxiety. You haven't left too soon. You're leaving when you need to leave. You're doing your independent thing when you need to do it. And it's giving you wings while having the nest still there. And I think I think we rush too quickly to shove our kids out or to not allow them to come back home, you know, or to do things in, inappropriately for, for their age. And I think that's, you know, maybe, maybe that's really old school. I mean, I was born in 1972, but, you know, I see things happening now that make me just completely cringe. And my daughter even says, because I raised her in a different way. She didn't have an iPhone until she was in eighth grade. She was the last one. I refused to let her have social media because I wanted her to still be a child as long as she needed to be, because that's how I was raised. That's what I was. And she appreciates that now. And so when she gets older, she has the more adult things when she's ready to have them. But I'm not purposely limiting. It's just is naturally happening that way. And I see the benefits of that. Because when you're innocent like a child, God can come in more. Well, think of, think of what... Um... Jesus said, unless you become like a child, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. And again, this innocence, it's not a naiveness. It's not a denial of the harsh realities of life. But it, part of it, it's, it's just a purity of presence. It's a purity of soul. We're not manipulating. We're without guile. We're honest with ourselves. We're transparent with ourselves, with God and with others in an appropriate way. And there's something about allowing them to have that innocence as long as they can in a healthy way, that even as they become functional adults living in the world, they will carry some of that innocence with them. And it's that yeah. I think it's that innocence that opens them up to God's inspirations, God's God's help, God's wisdom, God's love. Right. You know, Sri Yukteswar, who was Yogananda's guru, he says, children are so impressionable. And yeah. I think I think in our culture, we are growing them up too quickly. They're exposed to too much too soon. Absolutely. We have to really nurture that healthy innocence. And particularly in those formative years, we want to give them messages that are rooted in truth, beauty, and goodness. Yes. Yeah. You know, it, it, it reminds me of when I, used, I worked at the nursing home as a physical therapist on weekends. And this one woman had said to me, she was about 95 years old. And I said, you have such a happy, you know, you're in here. Do you feel stuck? Who's where we're working on things? And she said, no, this is where I need to be right now. I wish I could be at home again. She goes, but I'm always 16. I haven't gotten any older, you know, and she said, never lose that. And so it's kind of funny, you know, I'm 51 years old, but people say, Oh, I, you don't act 51. I go, how old do I act? And they're like, well, maybe 21. I'm like, that's the ripe age for me, right? So I might be getting older on the outside, but on the inside, I'm still, my number one goal is playing. I got to play, I enjoy life, have happiness, joy, bring joyful things in because that makes us lighter. Like you said, that makes us, those endorphins are flowing. We feel better. And I want to show that to parents that we don't have to be so serious all the time. Yes, there's things that need to get done and tasks that need to happen and responsibilities, but we can do those things in a lightful, joyful, playful manner. And that can then that shows our children to keep that spirit alive in them. And that's what this time of year is, is, is meant is meant to be for them. And I attach that to Christmas and I attach that to um, 
you know, Jesus being a baby. And I actually just thought about, we created this miracle just as he was born as a, you know, this a miracle in this body and that we should treat our children as such, you know, not as inconveniences, not as just something to throw a phone at because they're being annoying, but maybe those moments they need us, they're reaching out and they're showing us what they need from us. And why not give it to them? Because maybe at 25, they're not going to come home again for Christmas, or maybe they're going to be overseas. So nurture and take that time. And you can look back and say, I really did what I needed to do. God gave me this job as a parent and I really did it. And you will reap the benefits of that. You know, I worked really hard at this relationship with God and for my teenage daughter. And now she's, can we do prayers together? Can we read our spiritual journals together? That that came because of all the work put in from God and, and listening to that. I'm not saying I'm any better than anyone or any worse. I'm just saying these are the benefits you can reap with your children when you take that time and you and you really ask God how to parent well and what to do. And that's what happens. Let me ask you one one more question. And again, it's taking everything you're saying and um, breaking it down to you know, moment by moment or day by day. So I'm not talking about your meditation time or your, you know, your prayer time. But as you're moving through your day, the students you work with and your daughter, all the people you work with, what helps you to maintain that consciousness in, in the moment? What, what helps you to maintain that conscious contact with the divine, with God in the moment? I'm not perfect. I'm going to say that there are moments where I am reactive, you know, and I have strife and chaos at times. But I would say the thing that keeps me there the majority of the time is I'm constantly saying it internally. Use me the way you want me to. How do you want me to be show up for this person? How can I help the person in front of me? What can I do to help them? Whoever's coming across, like if I'm walking in the hallway and I see a staff member upset, how are you doing? What's going on? I feel like that's my mission is to be helping and be an extension of God in the world. That's that's me saying, I this is my job. And that's, that's innately a, in me. Does that make sense? It's how can I help? And so if my daughter comes downstairs and she comes home from work and she's stressed, how can I help? Yeah, that's a perfect, I'm going to tell you, that's a perfect answer. I'm a wounded healer. I can't not fix something. Well, I, I want to, I want to, and I'll, I'll just frame it and nuance it in, in two ways. And I'll give a, just a personal story from last night, as a matter of fact. But really, what you're saying, first of all, is always be intentional, purposeful yes. in, in every moment of your life. That doesn't, doesn't have to be an uptight, analyzing, perseverating no. thing, but always be present and purposeful. What do I want to create in this moment? What's my purpose in this situation in this moment? Yes. And one, I think, answer that fits virtually every situ situation we come across is, how can I be of service in this moment? Yes. Um, how can I bring as much truth, beauty, and goodness into this moment? And not only is that a statement you're making to yourself, it's almost like a prayer that God in the universe loves to respond to. So I'll put this in a really concrete situation. Vicki and I had a wonderful Christmas. We had 25 people, family members, and so forth. That's something. Yes, and it was wonderful. <laughs> now, 
people are always surprised at this. I am by nature truly an introvert, okay? I enjoy being alone or with Vicki. Um, but it was a wonderful Christmas. And I think everybody had a great time. It was real, truly wonderful. And what we had done before Christmas, we live in a little condominium community, right? And we invited all the people from our condominium community over last night for a pre-New Year's Eve party because people are really wonderful that live around us. But as Vicki and I were preparing yesterday morning, it was like, why did we do this? We just had 25 people over for Christmas. But what I did when the people arrived was I made a decision to be lovingly present that this is, I'm here, so this is what God must want from me in this situation, mm -hmm. that radical acceptance. Yep. And what would God want from me in this situation to be a loving presence? Yes. So I actually did not end up feeling overwhelmed by the evening at all. Uh, I think everybody had a great time. And I had a good time just listening and loving people. But it had to be a conscious choice. Yeah. Because there mm -hmm. was some part of me, it's like, oh, why are we doing this right after hosting 25 people for Christmas? But when I once I made that choice, the stress and the tension went away. And it really was an enjoyable evening. And I like actually loving people. So it was it was a good evening, but I just want to give an application to what you're saying. Yeah, I I love that. I think that's that's wonderful that you said that. And and what it, what it makes me think of too, and I think you might have said this too, um, at one point in time was, I always I'm not always in the best space. I'm just going to say that I'm I'm female and I'm I can be moody and aggressive and Italian and the whole thing, and I might just have this mm, going on. But if somebody walks up to me. I want to make sure what's always in my head is never leave your bad energy with some to someone else. You're responsible for the energy you're putting out there. And I'm always thinking I have to check myself and reel it in and give them the better the better version of myself in this moment. It's not going to be perfect, but I never want to leave a situation worse than it was. So if I'm in not a great place, but somebody wants to talk to me, needs help with something, because I have a lot of people throughout the day at school asking me for help. I take a deep breath and I say to myself, you know, in, in even my child, if I'm overwhelmed and exhausted and burned out, because I can get there is I want to make sure the energy I'm giving them is positive and or is it at least neutral. So they're not leaving me going, oh, that's I don't ever want to be around her again, because you can know, you know, those feelings when you're around people. And I'm very empathetic to know that I've seen someone's space change by what I'm saying and what I'm doing, that I need to check myself because I'm not giving them the best version right now. And I don't want to make people feel that way. So I am always trying to give them a better energy and be really responsible for that energy I'm putting out there. And I think that's what, you know, everyone is responsible for in this world is what we put out there. And that's the one thing that we can control is the positive or negative vibe we put into the world with the people that we come into contact to. Because it's, you don't know what, if I've said something to you that puts you in a bad place, then you're going to say something to Vicky and then Vicky's upset and then Vicky says something to somebody else. I want to start a chain in a positive way versus a negative way. So I'm always thinking about the domino or the butterfly effect of what I do. And that's how there's I do There's an interesting statistic that most people impact in a lifetime a thousand people. But those right. thousand people impact a thousand people. So directly and indirectly, in a given lifetime, we impact a million people. 
Mm-hmm. And to and to do that in a, a thousand times a thousand is a million. To do that in a conscious way yeah. is really what works. So I I think we're kind of moving towards a wrap up here. Is there anything, any final thoughts, words of wisdom, <clears throat> any final thoughts or words of wisdom that you want to share? I do. I want to say to all parents out there, it's never too late to change your relationship with your child. If you have a teenager or young adult living with you or just, you know, a child in college, it's never too late to change that trajectory of your relationship and strengthen your bond. And there's always hope there for you. If you feel like, you know, you've been distant from them or there's a lot of conflict, you can always change that and nurture that relationship by saying, I love you. I want to make things better. How can we work on things? You're valuable to me. Your relationship with me is a priority in my life. And I'm here for you. And I want to do anything I can to make this better. And I think starting from that place of humility and saying, I might not have been the best parent or I might have made some wrong choices. I mean, I've had to do this. Then that, that lowers defenses on the other end. And it can strengthen that relationship because that, that relationship with your child is one of the most beautiful things you will ever experience in your life. That's beautiful. That's perfect. I want to thank you for all of your passion and all of your wisdom and your generosity and sharing it. If people want to contact you, if people want to kind of use your expertise in some way, shape, or form, how do they do that? Um, They can email me, andreatate7 at gmail.com. It's andreatate, A-N-D-R-E-A-T-A-I-T-7 at gmail.com. They can email me or they can send me a direct message on Instagram. Andrea, thank you so much. Thank you so much. To those who are listening or tuning into this podcast, if you like this podcast, please give it a like. Uh, Please make a comment and forward it to your friends. Thank Thank you, you, Andrea. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. God bless you and God bless everybody. Namaste. Namaste. Thank you.